You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Akome. So let's get started. Hey guys, hey, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here with another episode of Side Hustle Pro. And today in the guest chair, I have Tiffany Gatlin. Now, Tiffany is an innovator with over 15 years of experience in direct-to-consumer sales. Currently, she is the CEO and founder of Latched and Hooked Beauty. Latched and Hooked Beauty has a scalp-first approach to textured hair care with a mission to diversify the hair extension space with high-performance synthetic hair fibers and clean formulas that don't irritate or cause inflammation of the scalp. Since her business launch five years ago, Tiffany has garnered the support of companies like Visa, PayPal, and Google for Startups, who awarded the brand $100,000 to support her company's vision to make beauty simple and accessible for Black women. Tiffany also holds a BA in public relations from Clark Atlanta University, and she enjoys community service with her sorority, Delta Sigma Theta, and traveling with her four children and husband of 16 years. Tiffany had so much to share, you guys, about just how she's managing and how she's making the decision for the next stage of her business. So I can't wait for us to get into this episode. Let's get right into it. Welcome, welcome to the guest chair. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited to have you here now. You know, as I was saying to you before we started recording, like I am a super fan, like customer, your your direct target audience, like Black woman who loves hair, synthetic hair, and wants to make sure it's safe. So I'm really interested to learn more about your story. So let's jump right in. Now, you have over 15 years of experience in direct-to-consumer type businesses. So can you tell us a little bit yeah. more about your background? You know, what um, industry did you work in and what was your career path before entrepreneurship? Yeah, so before entrepreneurship, I actually was assistant vice president of consumer and small business banking at Bank of America. I worked there for almost a decade and I was responsible for, you know, really educating um, majority black community Mm -hmm. on finances and homeownership and everything that encompasses that. Um, And then I also worked a little bit in credit. Okay. Uh, for Bank of America. Um, and so I actually resigned from Bank of America to start my entrepreneurship journey in 2009. Wait and I've been a minute. Did you resign with a business idea in mind or were you just like, you know what? I need a break from banking. This is a lot of years no, of my life. I actually, <laughs> I actually resigned with a business in mind, but it was not fully thought out. Mm-hmm. Um, None of what is readily available today was available in 2009. What do you mean by that? Like there, the, A lot of the resources that are available today that makes entrepreneurship so attainable and the blueprints and templates are so readily available now, it wasn't available back in 2009. We didn't Got even it. have a lot of these platforms that we have, right. Instagram, you know. We these podcasts, yeah. The podcasts, we didn't have these Facebook groups. We just didn't have the type of community and the resources that are available today that were available in 2009. So okay. yes, I did have a business idea in mind, but girl, we can probably get into <laughs> that. But um, I probably shouldn't have quit my job. Let's just say that it's <laughs> 2009, but yeah. thank God it's all worked out. <laughs> okay. So you probably should have side hustled a little longer. Um, yeah. But tell us a little sure. bit about those early business ideas. Um, how did you go about fleshing oh them out to know that they weren't the ones? So anybody that knows me just a little bit, if you follow my journey on social media, because I've been on social media since around that time. Um, Mm -hmm. starting with Twitter. And if you followed my journey from then to now, you know that I am the pivot queen. Um, That's, I put that up on myself Um, because I am not afraid to pivot. I have done so many different things. So when I initially left Bank of America to transition into entrepreneurship, I started with a concierge idea. The idea was to put you in the frame of mind. It was supposed to be something similar to an Instacart, if you're familiar with Instacart. But I didn't have that foresight back then. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to make shopping easy for busy 
people, celebrities, and I wanted to shop for them. I wanted to create a company where people shopped for them. And I did that for about a year and realized, no, this was not a great framework. I really didn't have a fleshed out business plan and idea. And so I went from that to actually being an influencer. And at that time, I didn't really know what influencer marketing was. I didn't know what an influencer was. I didn't know what a blog was. Um, When you're in corporate America, you're kind of in a bubble. So you you don't know what all these terms and things mean. So how did you know to start influencing? So when I started on Twitter, um, that's how I got actually my first client with the Atlanta go-to girl, which was the concierge service that I started. And I was, as I was really getting heavily in, in Twitter and tweeting and realizing like, oh, I can like talk to people that I've never met before and celebrities I've never met before. Like I can have direct access to them. I started understanding how valuable the Twitter tool was and how you can actually engage with people that you've never met before. And I just started watching and really just started seeing how other um, influencers at that time were like moving and shaking around the, um, around the social media um, atmosphere and I'm just like, okay, I can do this. And I love writing. I have a, you know, writing is, is one of my loves. I love writing. I loved, again, telling people about mm-hmm. things that I, that I find. So I changed the Atlanta go-to girl concierge service into the Atlanta go-to girl influencer. So I was the oh, Atlanta yeah. go-to girl. And what I was going to do was tell you the best places to go in Atlanta, in and around Atlanta. And so I started tweeting about that. This is what you should do on the weekend. This is what you, this, these are restaurants you should eat at. You know, these are, you know, the, the best places to shop in Atlanta. So if you were coming to Atlanta or you were in Atlanta and you wanted to know something, my page, you know, my profile was going to be where you found it. And so that's, that's how I kind of. perfect name. That is just an awesome name. The Atlanta go-to girl. girl. Right? Yeah. That, that's yeah. it right there. If I, <laughs> if I need to get a tip uh, and I'm going to Atlanta, I need to know what the go-to exactly. girl has to say. So exactly. how long did you do that before you came up with the idea for Latched and Hook? Oh my God. There's so many other things that I've done before, <laughs> that I did. That's what I'm saying. Like I really have done a lot of things because I'm not afraid to, if mm-hmm. I feel like something is not working, I'm right. not afraid to reinvent myself in another way. And so I did the Atlanta go-to girl for several years before I started my digital magazine, Tastemaker Magazine. And um, actually I think before that I did Bridal Palooza, which was like a, um, like a mobile bridal tour. Um, it was like a unconventional way to take brides in and around the city of Atlanta and show them venues and Kate introduced them to caterers and all of that. And so I did that, realized oh, it's not what I wanted to do. And then I started Tastemaker Magazine. I really loved that. That was an opportunity yeah. for me to really get into the media side and really get those brand opportunities. Um, General Motors was my first um, ad, uh, the, the first company who bought an ad from me. Uh, was General Motors. So that's kind of how I started getting in on the brand side of things. And then I started working with companies like Wells Fargo and Disney, AT&T. Um, I took trips to Mexico and, and uh, Tulum and all these different places on media trips. And I loved it, but it wasn't paying the bills. That's and real. So, that's real. <laughs> so you were tapping into your savings at this point to oh, yeah, stay afloat? Absolutely. Oh, wow. I was using, and I'm, I'm married as well, so my husband's income helped, but we live in a two-income family household. We have four kids. Um, my husband definitely needed my help. And so I was really just hustling, trying to find anything that would pay money. And so I decided to start doing hair because that was something that I had learned how to do when I was 16 years old in high school. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to hair because it's something I can make some quick money doing. That yeah. is So where you were literally doing other people's hair? Yes, in my okay, home. Okay, okay, okay. And um, I'm sure you remember back in 2014, the whole crochet movement resurfaced. Oh, yes. And the girls were getting the braiding hair and they were brushing it out. They were rolling around the rod. They'd get in the towels. They were dipping the hair in the hot water and they'd get all these beautiful curls. Um, this is where my journey into beauty um, kind of came into play. So I was doing hair 
And I remember traveling to Mississippi for the holidays and Mississippi is not Atlanta. So I was like, okay, (laughs) I got to find a way to keep myself busy while I'm in Mississippi for the holidays. So I decided to put out a flyer to say like, Hey, I'm coming to Mississippi. I'm going to be doing crochet braids, $80 hit me up. A girl from Atlanta coming to Mississippi is like, okay, I want to book her because I know it's going to be flat, right? So I got booked out when I was there. I was driving around doing all these heads. And so one customer that I had, I was doing her hair and I remember telling her, okay, this water is going to be really, really hot. So don't move because um, it could burn you. And she just got so nervous. She's like, okay. And I put a bunch of towels around her. And as I'm putting the cup up to her, you know, here where the rods were, I remember her jumping and it wasn't because of the water. It was because of the steam. Well, you get it PTSD because you can feel it. You (laughs) you remember those days. We all know that moment and you got to stay so still. So if you have never gotten your hair braided in a style where with synthetic hair with certain styles, Mm -hmm. when you dip it in the hot water, you can either seal it, you know, so your ends don't unravel. Or yeah. it can form a curl pattern um, yeah. once you put a roller on it and you dip it in the hot water. So that's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And literally, boiling hot water needs to be used to achieve this style. Yeah, How dangerous, to, like, right? How wild just... are we to get wild. certain styles? Like, we are wild. So what happened care. next? We didn't so, <laughs> she jumped. <laughs> And was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, oh my God, I was so scared that I was like, did you get burned? She's like, no, but the, the steam was so hot. And I remember leaving that interaction and heading mm. a, a few days later, heading back home to Atlanta. My husband was driving. We're going back. And I'm sitting there thinking like, this is not the experience that I feel black women should have when trying to do our hair. Like, why are we going through this pain? Yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking, I'm, I've always been a solutions-oriented person. Like if there's mm-hmm. a problem, I'm, I'm nine times out of ten, I'm trying to find a solution to that problem. That's everything in life that I, I that I deal with. And so with this particular issue, I felt like the problem was Black women want to be able to find a hairstyle that doesn't take all day. They want to look good. But they don't want to, they really don't want to spend a lot of time trying to look good, but they will go to whatever lengths that they have to, to try to make it, you know, that way. But they also want something that's going to last for a period of time so that they don't have to, to do this daily manipulation of their hair. Right. So what could I, how could I help in that equation? And so I was thinking to myself, I was like, if the hair was just already curled, like that would just take a major step out of the process because one, as a stylist, it takes a lot of time to either pre-curl that hair or to roll it. Right. And then from a liability standpoint, as a hairstylist, you don't want that liability in your salon because if a customer gets burned, you get sued. Yep. So you're not even going to, you know, at that time in in 2014, it was a cute style, but no hairstylists were doing it in the salon because one, the time that it took to do it. And then Mm -hmm. two, the liability, a lot of the salon owners was like, nah. So the girls was doing it at home. They were doing the DIYs. And so I said that it would be great if the hair was already curled. And I remember once I got home that next day, I remember going to the beauty supply store and going up and down the aisles, trying to just see if there was something available. Because I, you know, I didn't know maybe it's something already available. There was nothing available. As a matter of fact, and people always like look at me funny when I say this, but back in 2014, 15, even early 2016, there was not any crochet hair on the market, period. No crochet really? locks. No crochet braids, no crochet curls. Only thing that you could find um, was the braiding hair, and um, we were just using regular braiding hair. Just regular braiding hair. Janet, Janet Collection Noir, probably to be exact. We was looking for that <laughs> that hair because you know the yep. girls when they tell you to get a certain brand, that's the brand you got to get. Okay, yes. now it's lashing hood, but. That was what you were doing. You were getting the braiding hair. You were, you know, manipulating this synthetic hair to, to, mm-hmm. to look like a rod set. And right. so I decided that I was going to try to create some pre-curled loop crochet hair to prevent black women from hot water burns while protective hair styling. So actually, yes. Lashing and Hook is actually not my first business. So a lot of people don't necessarily know how I got into the beauty industry and think that I just kind of popped up. But I've actually uh-huh. been here for quite a long time. So this actually, Lashing and Hook is actually my second 
beauty company. And my first beauty company was a company called Curl Colon Hair Collection that I started back in, um, I started in the idea phase in 2014 and then I launched okay. Mother's Day weekend of 2015. Oh, okay. Um, See, I couldn't remember. I, when I think of Latched and Hooked, I thought it was just, uh, it started with that and now it has expanded to other types of hair. So thank no, you for, so it you know, with, explaining yeah, that. It started with Curl Colon and mm-hmm. Curl Colon was the it girl for crochet hair. It was, it was the first pre-curly crochet hair on the market. And then I ended up, and then I had a partnership. The partnership didn't work and me and my partner split and we had to end up selling the business. So we ended up selling it to another company called True Glory, which is still in existence. And True Glory added a synthetic hair extension line to their portfolio. And so that's how Kirkland is still in existence. But Kirkland was started by myself. It was my vision. It was everything that I birthed, that I wanted it to be, that I wanted us as Black women to have. So to, you know, stay on Crocolon for a minute. How did you go from having this idea Mm-hmm. to then actually creating the physical product. I mean, did you, you know, take a class on curling the hair and putting it in packaging? Did you research people who make hair packaging? Like, how did you actually bring it to life? Girl, the class is being Black. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the class. If you Black, you you don't need a class. That's all. We gonna figure out some stuff. We learn stuff. It's just a, it's just an innate thing in the black community uh-huh. that we just know how to braid, twist, and if you don't know how to do those things, you've been around it. So yes. no, I didn't. I didn't go through a class or anything. Um, it it was just it was innate. It was just in me. The process went fairly quickly. I got home. I went to the beauty supply store. I literally bought the hair and I said, you know what? I'm gonna make a prototype. I made a prototype using the um, rods, the different color rods. Um, I wrapped the hair. I put it in a pot of boiling water. I let it cool. I took it off. I went to the container store and got some, um, these little peel containers. I put each curl inside those containers. I put the color rod next to the container. I put it in a package. I sealed it up. I sent it to a manufacturer to see if they could replicate it. And Mm -hmm. they were, and I sent it to three different manufacturers to see you know, who will come back with the best price okay. and the best. So you were testing them out. Was it was easy testing. that process to, to actually find a manufacturer? Cause I'm assuming you did a U.S. based one based on how, you know, you just sent it over. Yeah. So no, I didn't do a U.S. based. I did um, okay. China. So mm-hmm. actually what happened was I did some Googling. Um, I found a, basically like a liaison. So a person who was, uh, who's Asian and, they helped me to find manufacturers in China. They were experienced in finding manufacturers. And so they helped me to find a manufacturer in China and they did the negotiation of pricing. I told them, you know, where I wanted to be and price. And mind you, I didn't know what I was doing. Never done this <laughs> process before. I know, I'm like, how Never. did you know you could trust these people? How did you, you even... don't? Yeah, you don't. You don't know if you can trust them. You don't know if when you give them money, are they going to run? You don't know if you're going to get a sample back. I didn't know anything. This is just me trusting the process and trusting in my mind that I wanted this you know, to happen. And mm-hmm. also, too, it was just I didn't have any obligations out there. Like I didn't, I wasn't telling anybody out there. I wasn't on Instagram or Twitter telling everybody my process. I was doing it really initially for myself because I wanted Mm -hmm. to see if this could, you know, could this be something? And then I wanted to test it on my clients. And that's how it actually started. I started testing the pre-curdled hair on my, on my client and my other influencer friends. I was sending hair to, um, to other influencers that I had made relationships with. And I was like, Hey, can you try this? And if it works and you like it, can you post something? And, and this is what I need you to say. (laughs) So really, I owe my customers who just believed in what I was trying to do and other influencers that I had made genuine relationships with who didn't charge me any, you know, influencer dollars um, to do this. They were just excited because I was excited and they wanted to try it and it ended up being great. And because Kirkland was the first company to innovate in that space, 
Um, and we, and there was no competition, no direct competition, um, for the first couple of years, um, it really took off in an amazing way. So then at what point did you do that sale and the acquisition? Was that, um, a few years in? Yeah, it took three years to actually sell Crocolon. And, um, I, I must say it was, you know, um, it was like the, the most difficult three years in my life and, you know, in my business life. Wow. You know, wow. uh, very painful, very um, somber. I was also pregnant at this time. So going through all of this while I was pregnant and going mm-hmm. in and out of court for three years just trying to come to a resolution with this whole um, business. And I decided in the midst of, you know, of this of this sale, Crocline was still operating. And mm-hmm. I had always had a bigger vision for Crocolon than just the curls. Mm-hmm. I had never told anybody what that was, but in my head, I'm just like, this was just the beginning of what I wanted to do. And most people that know my story know that the cause became deeper when my daughter suffered from scalp irritation from getting her hair mm-hmm. braided. Yeah. And it really made me, because initially, I mean, yeah, I was just, you know, I was trying to prevent black women from hot water burns. And that was a problem. Right. But then I didn't know that there was this whole community of black women who were suffering from scalp irritation and was suffering when wearing synthetic hair because it was causing inflammation to their scalp. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. My daughter experienced that. And most women who are mothers who their kids experience something as a mother, you're going to figure out a solution to that issue. And that's what I was, I'm a, you know, I'm a mom, I have two daughters mm-hmm. and who, you know, love trends. And I was just trying to figure out a solution. So I decided to keep going. And that's why Latch and Hooked came into place because I was like, you know what, it's bigger than this curl. I want to create something that black women can not only look good, mm-hmm. but feel good as well. And so I started Lash and Hook with the same hero product, which is the pre Luke crochet hair. And it was crazy because at that time when I started Lash and Hook, I was competing against myself with Curl Cologne. Curl Cologne was yeah. still in business and people yeah. did not understand. They were like, oh, you're copying off of Curl Cologne. You're stealing their pictures. And I'm like, I got that. You know, people <laughs> like, you're stealing their pictures. I'm like, I did that person's hair. This is mine. You know what I mean? I took the picture. Like, it's mine. Yeah. You know, and... um, Could you no longer associate with that? You could no longer claim ownership mm -hmm. of it? I could not... I could claim ownership in terms of me being the founder. There, We didn't really establish any lines in terms of, like, use of, of pictures. But, I mean, it was clear and I understood that in the sale of the business, I mean, I wasn't gonna be taking all of the, you know, the pictures and videos mm-hmm. that we, I had to start over, you know, yeah. but so, there were some pictures that I needed to use to kind of right, promote the product because I was starting off, yeah, I was starting all over again. So I had to kind of mm-hmm. use what I had, but I really started from scratch all over again with Lash and Hooks. And it took quite some time for people to understand that Lash and Hook is its own in its entity. And then people kind of started to, cause I didn't even reveal myself. Like I didn't, I didn't put a picture of myself to say like, Hey, it's Tiffany here, former founder of Crocolon. And I'm starting, I didn't tell, I didn't say that. So people okay. didn't know and they didn't understand. What and was so, happening. so yeah, they didn't understand you know, what was happening. I want to pause for a second because I think, you know, you've said, um, some really important things that we should just take a second to acknowledge in, in terms mm-hmm. of you started with one thing and you could have easily thought to yourself, like you, you could have just got tunnel vision because it's such a good idea. Right. And like, mm-hmm. this is me, this is my thing. But then through doing that, you stepped away and kind of looked at the bigger picture of, I am a creator. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business-minded person. If I can create one thing, I can create another thing. I think that that's an underlying message here. But then also there is a deeper need beyond just hair and synthetic hair. Like there's actually a problem within this industry. This hair has toxins in it. This hair was not created with our health in mind. How can I improve this? And that led you to the next thing. During what was a really dark time, that led you to the next thing. So it's just such an inspiring and positive thing to be able to see, like, even in your darkest moment, 
when you could have said, wow, like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. You were being led to something greater. So tell us a little bit more about this issue and how Latch and Hook solves for it. So, um, again, we, we, we talk, I mean, I, I think it's such a great platform because not a lot of times do entrepreneurs talk about having a side hustle within mm-hmm. their, while, while they're yes. still building, you know what I mean? Because right. right now social media is, is so great at showing the, um, the luxuries that could yeah. come out of out of, you know, owning a business and there, you know, there are perks and there are things that come out of it, but there are also a lot of struggles, you know, that come along with it. And, you know, I feel like I'm a a very transparent person, you know, in, in my, in my journeys, I feel like I've always been something that I don't talk about. And it's not necessarily because I'm not being transparent about it. It's just like, it might be too soon. Mm -hmm. It's too raw. It's not the right time, you know, but, um, but I have continued to work when I needed to work while building yeah. a business. So yeah. there are several times where I've had to go back and get a job to just to take care of my family while I'm scaling this business. So one of the things that I did, um, and I'm answering your question, but I wanted to make this is part of it. One of the things that I did is I took a job at Delta Airline. Okay. And I worked with them um, on a freelance project that only lasted about like six months or so. But while I was in that freelance job, I got to have the full benefits as if I was a, you know, a full-time Delta employee. And so when that freelance opportunity ended, I took my flight benefits and I flew to China. So I got to fly for free. And then I used some points that I had from like doing some other travel and I was able to stay at um, the hotel for free. So I literally had a free trip to China. And so I went to China for a week. My employee that I have in China, who I've been working with for the past um, five years, um, she took me to my manufacturers. And so one of the things that they knew that I was coming there for was to understand the formulation of synthetic Mm -hmm. hair. Because it was really important for me, if I was going to sell this product, for me to really understand how the product was being made. And I understood that also, too, consumers were like, spewing this information that they really honestly didn't know about. You know, they were, you know, I heard a lot of, oh, synthetic hair is mixed in with animal hair and synthetic hair is this and synthetic hair is that. And if you dip the hair in uh, apple cider vinegar, you can get the toxins out, like all these different things. And honestly, I didn't know any of it was true. We've always heard, yeah, we've always heard this like, you know, these, oh, dip it in apple cider vinegar, all this other stuff. I'll yeah. be honest. I've always been too lazy for that. I don't have any <laughs> scalp irritation. So and who I wants to not... do that anyway? Who, who wants, wants to, to do that? Who, who wants, wants to be smelling like vinegar? <laughs> that part. Okay. Yes. So what did you find out on your trip? Because I need to know. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So let me take one small step back. I also uh-huh. had a sorority sister who um, introduced me to her line sister, who okay. is a polymer chemist. I didn't know what a polymer chemist was right. then. And so a polymer chemist deals with fibers that are like plastic, like PCB okay. fibers, um, and which synthetic hair happens to be. And so mm. she put me in contact with her because she was like, I think that you should talk to her and ask her more questions about your product. And so I had time to talk with her and really ask her some of these questions that I've just been hearing around, you know, the internet, (laughs) you know? So I asked her about the apple cider vinegar and I asked her about, you know, just the properties of, um, this fiber, this synthetic hair fiber. And so she was able to debunk a lot of the myths that go that are you know going around and then she also helped me with a a bunch of questions to ask when I go to my manufacturer in China so when I went to China I was able to ask these questions because if you go and you kind of don't know what to ask you're not really getting the information that you need so I was Mm -hmm. able to get this um one of the things that uh Crystal that's the the doctor that I spoke with um she told me to ask for a material safety data report. Okay. And the material safety data report um, gives you a list of the chemicals that are used to create the products that you have in production. 
And so I was able to go through that list line by line and we were able to research each chemical to see which chemical was a toxic chemical and can we replace that chemical with another chemical that is non-toxic. And so a lot of times consumers get confused with this word chemical and they yes, automatically I was associate- just about to say, I'm so glad that you said replace with a chemical that's non-toxic because the yes. word chemical yes. um, is so misunderstood and yes. the fact that we need chemicals. So, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Exactly. And that's what I was just about to say. A lot of times consumers attach a negative, you know, connotation to the word chemical. Right. And the fact is almost everything that we use ha- uses a chemical to create yeah. it. But Water there are- is a chemical. Exactly. So, but there are um, non-toxic chemicals and there are toxic chemicals. And so for me, it was just um, trying to figure out which ones could we replace with the non-toxic chemicals. And that is what I was able to do when I went to China. Again, synthetic hair has been around for five decades. Okay. Lash and hooks has been around for six years. (laughs) (laughs) Five decades, six years. So I wasn't going to be able to fix everything or know everything in this short amount of time. But I wanted to start somewhere. I wanted to give consumers, specifically Black women, hope that there was somebody out there that was looking out for their best interest and to at least start. Because honestly, you know, I don't know if this is 100% the solution. But what I do know is that since we've made that change, I have gotten customers who said, oh my God, I have not been able to use synthetic hair for decades. And now I'm able to confidently wear this product without my scalp being inflamed. So I'm like, aha, something is working. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there are some other tweaks that we that we will need to do. And that's why I'm so blessed to have um, Dr. Crystal in my life because, you know, she's able to help me with testing, but that costs a lot of money that I don't Mm -hmm. have. So I have to raise (laughs) money to actually do more additional testing. So we're not done, but I feel like what I've done so far on my own with the money that I had in my bank account, I've done more than most. Yes. (laughs) So guys, I know investing and trading can seem really intimidating and complicated, but it doesn't have to be that way. Episode 301 guest Terry Ajoma runs one of the top investing education programs out there. It's called Trade and Travel. It's an on-demand course with really thorough lessons that explain everything. And it also features weekly coaching with Terry herself and a very active private Facebook community. How do I know? Because I am also a trade and travel student and trade and travel is helping me to break through the intimidation that I've always felt around stocks. So Terry teaches you the difference between long versus short selling. She teaches you everything you need to know about getting set up, where to invest, how to invest. Um, She teaches you how to trade stocks as a side hustle to earn extra income and how to set concrete goals, realistic goals, how to pace yourself. Trading is not something you need to do every day. Um, You know, Terry really shows you how to do it in a realistic side hustle way so that you're trading, but you're also, you know, having impact and making wise choices. So go ahead and learn more and sign up for the trade and travel program at sidehustlepro.co slash trade and travel. And I'll link to it in the show notes through trade and travel. You can learn how to trade as a side hustle and supplement your income with trading. So sign up for trade and travel at sidehustlepro.co slash trade and travel. One more time, that's sidehustlepro.co slash trade trade and travel. Many thanks to today's sponsor, Thrive Cosmetics, for sponsoring today's episode. So I really appreciate Thrive's clean, skin-loving ingredients and the fact that their products have no parabens, sulfates, or phthalates. Their products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And one of my favorite products is the lip gloss. I use it to just put on top as my last layer. And I've been searching for a really good clear lip gloss, and I finally found the perfect one from Thrive Cosmetics. It's not too sticky. It's not overly shiny. 
me because I'm too grown for that. It just has a nice, subtle shine to it, all right? And can we talk about this Liquid Extensions Mascara? I tried it out and it is worth the hype. It has over 15,000 five-star reviews and with good reason because it really is a lengthening mascara that brings out your eyes and it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking. Plus, it's easy to remove. Sometimes when I'm taking off mascara, I would have like dark residue around my eyes, but this comes off really easily. So definitely check out Thrive Cosmetics, you guys. And cause is in the name for a reason by the way they have a bigger than beauty promise in which every single purchase supports organizations that help communities thrive you get it and right now you can get 15 percent off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash hustle pro that's thrive cosmetics c-a-u-s-e-m-e-t-i-c-s dot com slash hustle pro for 15% off your first order enjoy I'm glad you brought up the money piece because what you're doing does require capital. And I mean, what are some of the things you've done to raise capital? So you've obviously you've used your own money. Um, mm-hmm. You've also applied for programs. So yes. what were some of the ways you've accessed capital for this business? Sure. So just to be transparent for the fa- for the past six years, I have used my own money and the, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the revenue that we have, um, you know, the profit that we have made from, from sales. Um, okay. I've gotten help from grants and those came about primarily from, you know, when the whole black lives matter thing happened and corporations yeah. felt like they wanted to support, um, more black entrepreneurs, more specifically women. And so that helped. Um, I was part of the Google for startups, um, okay. program and Google, uh, funded me with a hundred thousand dollars. And okay. so I, I was able to get that and I have not raised any money yet and I want to, but I'm not in a hurry to do so. I want to make sure that, you know, I get the right VC. I want to make sure that the VC that is investing in, investing in me and investing in my products really understand who the, who my consumer is and understands why this money is important mm-hmm. for all of us, you know? Um, I understand so, that. Um, you know, I'm just taking my time. There's a lot that goes into it. And I really, you know, right now I retain hundred percent ownership in my company and it's really important for me to retain that type of ownership being that I lost my ownership in Crocline. So, um, and that was a really painful thing. And I didn't understand how equity worked back then. I I was really only concerned with creating a product that worked for women. I didn't understand the minutia of ownership and you should never do 50, 50 in a, in a business relationship. I understand that. And so, you know, retaining ownership is important to me, really understanding. Retaining majority ownership? Yes. Just to Mm -hmm. be clear. Okay. Yes. Retaining majority ownership is really important to me. Um, So, you know, I know in this, you know, I'm a part of a lot of communities, business communities. And I know that some people's, you know, some founders more specifically, um, goal is to build something that they can sell really quick. Cause like mm-hmm. a game to some people, like they want to, mm-hmm. you know, create something, they want to sell it. To me, this is not a game. It's my livelihood. I really, I mean, this is probably another podcast for another day, but I just, like, right, right, right. I right. Have, this is a, a, a really complex topic, especially in our because community. I've, I've yeah. had my family go through a lot for this. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, I, I want them to be able to, prosper and profit off of what I'm building. And so it's really important to me to, to, you know, retain ownership and grow it in the right way. I respect that. So let's talk a little bit about just the marketing of the business. And um, I think that once people found out it was you, especially, it seems that there's this loyal customer base that you have, like people who are invested in you, Tiffany, you know, the founder. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about how you went about growing the Latched and Hook brand across social media platforms and really marketing this business. 
I think from day one, again, if you even take it back to, um, to my previous company, it's always been about the consumer and community for me. It's always also been about just me telling the, the just be authentic and telling the story. Um, way before story storytelling was cool, that was just what my foundation was. It was really important for me for people to understand why I was starting something, and and really tell, talking about the problem. Like I didn't even know that that's what I was doing then, but I was. Yeah. I always talked about, hey, here's a problem, and this is what I want to solve for us, for my family, right. for you, for your family. Um, and so community has always been a thing. And I think that people also just gravitate towards me as a person. And then they're like, oh, she has a business and I want to support it. And, you know, again, I just have to credit my customers for really, you know, there's a lot of organic marketing that goes on. You know, we don't do a lot of paid media. You know, a lot of the, the media that we have is earned media. And that's from our customers telling friends you know, just people telling other people, you know, celebrities too. You know, I have celebrities that wear my hair. We don't really post about them, you know, because a lot of them, we want to respect their privacy unless they tell us that we can do it. But a lot yeah. of them post on their own and they mentioned us, you know. And so it just feels great to know, again, you know, that we, you know, that there is a product out there that is is helping Black women. And we just happen to be Black, <laughs> And mm-hmm. it's black, you know, black owned, woman yeah. operated, yeah. you know. Um, I'm curious, though, because you exist in a, in a unique space for us because people are so used to going to the beauty supply store or, or even mm-hmm. now ordering, um, you know, online or something. So how do you make sure people are aware, like when you were start entering the market, to make sure that people are aware that this is a better option and you should buy my this option rather than something you might find out there that's not as good for you? So what I realized a few years into business, into beauty, not necessarily Lash and Hood, but a few years into beauty, what I realized is I wasn't going to try to convince anyone to buy Lash and Hooks. I wasn't going to try to tell them, you should not go to the beauty supply store. You should come here and buy my hair. Um, Instead, what I would focus on is telling the stories of of real women who had an issue with scalp irritation, whose daughters dealt with something, whose mom was dealing with hair loss and, you know, was looking for a way to, you know, get some hair, you know, that wasn't going to irritate her scalp and she could use while she was, you know, dealing with alopecia. Mm -hmm. And I was going to tell those stories. And from that, women would make up their mind if they wanted to try me. And then when they tried the product, they're like, oh, I really like it. I really love their customer service. I really love their packaging. All these other things that they, and experiences that they couldn't get at the beauty supply store. And so that's been my focus. You know, the, the beauty supply store is also part of the story for black women. There's a lot of history that beauty supply stores bring to black women. All of it is not bad. You know, there, there have been bad experiences, but a lot of stories and conversations in, in our community and black culture exist around going to the beauty supply store. And so I realized this, it wasn't, you know, hell, I have to go to the beauty supply store sometimes. I got to get something. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, it right, wasn't, right. you know, it's it not- wasn't. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not in Latch and Hook is not trying to be a beauty supply store. We're not trying mm-hmm. to carry all things that the beauty supply store carries. You know, we have a we have a specific niche, you know, and we are targeting, you know, synthetic hair extensions that are non-toxic. You know, we have some other some other accessories available, but our main, you know, products is non-toxic synthetic hair. And so I just realized that I wasn't gonna, I didn't want, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to tell people don't do something. Don't go, don't buy here. We're better. That's not for me to determine. That's for the consumer to determine if we're better. So my job is just to make sure that I create the best product, the best packaging, the best consumer, uh, customer experience. And then the consumer will decide whether or not I'm better. Absolutely. And speaking of products and packaging now, of course, your packaging is very beautiful. Your product is excellent. Um, I think, you know, when I share this episode, I'll share my braids from last summer. I got knotless braids with um, the ombre latched yes. and hook braided hair. So, yes, mm-hmm. I'll share that with you guys. Please do. And I want to know... Um, 
as a business owner, mm-hmm. how does that the cost of goods, you know, mm-hmm. impact you? And, and and a lot of people lose money starting up and especially yeah. when you're going for a higher quality. Right. So what has been your experience when it comes to the money and the profit and the margins um, when you're you're going for a higher quality of hair and packaging? Mm-hmm. So I've, I started out the gate with product pricing. Um, I would venture to say that I was the first synthetic hair extension brand that was not a dollar, three for five, five (laughs) dollars. Um, we were a very expensive synthetic hair extension brand, but that was only because I knew what I was offering consumers. Mm -hmm. I knew that, that, I mean, number one, to be able to go and reformulate something that's been around for five decades, it was, it was expensive. So I knew that I, to, to give better, I had to charge more because that's, you know, it was just what I had to do, you know? Um, and people didn't understand that. And for a very long time, people were, um, you know, consumers were charging me up for what I was trying charging. to tell you what to charge. Yeah. They were like, this is ridiculous. One pack of hair is, you know, is $14.99 or one box of curls is $19.99. Like I got that flat for a very long time, but yeah. Once people started using it and they started realizing like, oh, this is better. This is softer. Yeah. This is, you know, I don't have that problem anymore. Like every now and again, people will ask or whatever, but I don't have that problem. So, you know, doing that and, you know, we have really good margins, but doing that, it allowed me to be able to, to change some of the things that I had envisioned in my head a long time ago when I started in this space, because I wanted, I said, and, and the truth of the matter is I'm still not done with that. Like I, there's still packaging that needs to be changed. We don't have the money to change it right now. We're just doing little by little where, you know, what we can, but the whole point of it was to say, we deserved better. We deserved mm-hmm we deserve that it, it should feel better. It should look better. The experience should be better. All of that. And that just takes money. And just to be, you know, transparent, you know, we're still struggling with, you know, just the whole money thing, trying to, to have mm-hmm. more, to be able to do more, you know, right. we can't, it's really even hard for us just to even keep up with the demand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, as soon as we restock a product, we're selling out. And, you know, and so there are still challenges that we have with that. And I believe that you will get through these growing pains because Mm -hmm. as you're speaking, you know, I'm not in the same industry, but what it reminds me of is how hard it can be to gauge when it's time to increase. For example, right? Like if your projections and these last two years have been so wonky with getting stuff on time from overseas. Mm -hmm. So if your projections, you're trying to project demand in a very unstable time and that projection requires you to put up money. And it's like, when do you, based on what you have done in the past, decide when it's time to double that, triple that. And how scary is that to invest more, not knowing for certain if you'll sell it all, you know, because you don't want excess inventory. So how do you navigate that? Yeah. I mean, luckily, you know, I have years of data, you Mm -hmm. know, to be able to say like, Hey, this is what we've done here. I mean, we did really good during COVID, you know, um, is actually one of our best, you know, years. And, um, you know, which told us a lot about what was going on, like that we yeah. were definitely, we're definitely a recession proof business. It yeah. doesn't matter what's going on. Black women want to get their hair done. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, how we, it's how we get through. <laughs> it's how we get through. And so if anything, it, you know, I feel like it would prove to investors that again, we are recession proof and that women are still going to buy no matter what's going on in the economy or what have you. And so I think for us, it's not, it's not as scary to think about if, you know, if we buy, if we buy more, are we going to actually sell it? We know we're going to sell it. I think it, it would be more about strategy and what channels do we use to like promote more so we can get more um, customer acquisition. 
so that we can sell, you know, more of it. But I don't think for us, it's, it's a matter of, you know, if we buy more, are we going to sell it for us? It's just more like, okay, we, we bought more. We're selling to the customers we already have. We need more customers. So it's like, we need more money for customer acquisition. We need people that don't know about us. We need the friends of people who are already buying to buy from us. And so it's more about from, from at that point, it's more about strategy on how do we um, increase our customer acquisition. And that's very real, which is, um, it's interesting that you said you don't do much paid media. Is that something mm-hmm. you're looking at doing more of? Because w- immediately when I think of customer acquisition, I think ads, you know, and I, I, yeah. I think let's just go out and pay for them. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? And it's funny because I have a different way of thinking. Like I've always, uh-huh. because I didn't have a lot of money for mm. um, paid media, for me, yeah. it was always thinking of strategies to get, um, you know, the earned media. So like, you know, um, affiliate programs, you know, how do we come up with, you know, a reward program for our customers where we can reward them for telling other people, um, old school email marketing, of course, you know, and getting really good at, um, not just telling people to buy, but really just appealing to, their struggles that they're having every day and showing them how your product is the solution to many of their struggles that they have. Paid media is usually the last thing that I'm thinking of because I don't really have a lot of money for it. So I'm really, you know, during like COVID times and a little bit after, um, because I did get that funding from Google I was able to uh, invest a lot more. And so I was spending about $5,000 a month on um, paid media. And it turned, it sh- and, that, and that was good that I did that because what it did is, again, as we're having these conversations with investors, we can actually yeah. show the difference between this is what happens when we have paid media and this is what happens when we don't. So mm-hmm. you can actually see, like, if we get more money to be able to do paid media, this is how, right. you know, this is how much much, this is how much more money we could bring in. It's just a yeah. slower grind when you have to do organic. But I right. like to stretch that organic muscle because a lot of times I feel like founders don't realize if you get into a situation where Facebook changes, Instagram changes, all these platform changes, their algorithms change. Yeah. And, and, and that's what harder. we're in now. Yeah. That's, yeah. We're all experiencing that now. To, right. And it's harder to acquire a customer. What you going to do? Right. So right. I think that it's, I think that it's good to really um, work that organic muscle and figure mm-hmm. out what are some other organic ways that you can do that. I mean, festivals are opening back up, you know, it's good to be able to get out in front of the customer. We haven't done that in a very long time. That's something that I'm looking forward to doing next year. I mean, I haven't done it this year, but probably next year is us getting back out to some of these uh, shows where mm-hmm. we can get in front of customers and they can meet me and I can talk to yeah. them because you know, um, I think it's really good that customers can really see who's behind a brand, you know? Yes. So, and I'm glad um, you talked about the challenges of, well, you need money to do more paid, but then also you can't rely on any one channel. And, um, so being able to be comfortable flexing the organic muscle, the hit the ground, you know, yeah. guerrilla marketing muscle mm-hmm. is just as important as knowing that when you do have more money, you will invest in hiring, well, first of all, understanding paid marketing yourself, but then also being able to hire the right person to scale mm-hmm. that up even more. I think Ooh, that... and that is another That's another... Topic yeah, that's a because, huge topic. Yeah, you can't just... You can't... Um, you have to have in insight some, into it yes. before you hire. Oh my God, yes. And I didn't know that before either. And now I have a lot more experience with that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was actually just talking about that to somebody today. But you definitely need to... You don't have to know all the nuts and bolts, but you definitely right. need to high level know what to ask for. You need to know what you should be looking for in your, your data, um, your mm-hmm. analytics. Yeah, it's really important. Otherwise, you're just, you know throwing money out the window. I've seen on your Instagram page, you've recently gone through a health journey. You've also, so you've been revitalizing yourself as a person and, 
And I, I'm, I'm curious to know how that all relates to you being a business owner. You know, did you find that you got burned out and now you're, you're making sure that you put you first? How, how has that come about? I believe that I was a very unhealthy workaholic. Mm. And that although, you know, most people, when they look at my Instagram, like, oh, you know, she travels a lot. She does this. I really wasn't doing a lot for myself, you know, and looking back at my pictures, I'm like, man, like I was, I had gained so much weight. I was just eating. I wasn't working out. I was just like letting my, you know, kind of feel like I was letting myself go. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I just didn't feel a hundred percent who I felt like I needed to be, you know? And I think it started with, you know, cutting my hair all off um, and doing something bold, like dyeing my hair blonde (laughs) and, you know, losing, you know, losing the weight, working out and just really doing what Tiffany wants to do. Someone asked me the other day, like, oh, are you, you know, are you, do you still have, it's kind of like that, that, um, that Instagram, you still have that little business. They didn't say little, but they, they didn't say little, but they just said, it was like, do you still have that hair business? I was like, oh yeah, yes, I do. And it was like, oh, cause I don't, I don't see you post a lot about it. And I said, well, that's because my page says Tiffany Gallon, and there's actually a whole nother page that says Latch and Hook. So I'm like, you know, I started Latch and Hook for the people. Mm-hmm. For the for the girls, for the women, for the black women. And it's not about Tiffany. That's the thing about it. Like, it's not about me. Like, I'm a whole different individual with, with other likes and loves and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted people to come to my page on Instagram, Tiffany Gatlin, to know about Tiffany Gatlin. What is Tiffany, what is Tiffany Gatlin like? What does she like to do? Who is she? Because if I'm just posting about Lash and Hook and I'm just telling you to buy my product, are you really getting to know the founder behind the brand? No. Like, if you really want to get to know me, then you'll see my page. You're like, okay, she's funny. She likes to do this. She likes to eat. She likes try. You know, you kind of, you, you'll kind of get a sense of who I am. I've never right. deleted a single picture from my Instagram page. So you could take it all the way back to whenever Instagram <laughs> yep, started. Yep. And you could formulate a story about who I am and what I like to do. Yeah. You know, and so I just think for me, I just think that's important, you know, Um, and I try to separate the two. Yeah, I try to separate the two. It's always so helpful. I mean, for me, because I'm just a stalker like that. But I think in general, (laughs) when you could see like a founder also has their individual page and you could see who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And you mentioned, you know, what what does Tiffany want to do? So what does Tiffany want to do next? Um. What is your focus? I know that I know that you can't. We, we're not into five year plans and right, you know, having yeah. it all laid out perfectly yeah. over here. But yeah. I'm curious, you know, in this season, mm-hmm. um, given all you've done in your business and everything you've done in the hair industry so far, hair and beauty, uh, what your focus is? You know, what what are you finding yourself being drawn to to develop and bring about next? Personally or professionally? Ooh, both. <laughs> While we're on the topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, professionally, I would love to see Latched and Hooked more accessible. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I would love to see it on some type of national platform shelf-ish type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm ready and I'm not gonna like, I'm not going to force it. You know, I really want it to come organically or what have you, but access is important to me, you know? Um, and so I'd love for black women to be able to walk into a store and have the option to get latched and hooked. And so that is important to me. And then it's also important for me to have some more freedom in business And what that looks like is being able to develop a more robust team Mm -hmm. where I can take some of the responsibilities that I've been doing over the last five years off my plate and, you know, just again, really create a a robust team who's able to implement a lot of, you know, the things that I feel like Latch and Hook needs to do. Like there's so much that I've been wanting to do. And, you know, I'm just, again, I hope to be able to scale to that next level so that I can do a lot of those things that I want to do. Professional, uh, personally, um, you know, I just really, I love spending time with my family. 
you know? Yeah. And so I want more opportunity to do that, to spend more time with my husband, spend more time, you know, traveling with my kids. And I am having fun, ex- you know, exploring things that I just n- never explored before. I'm thinking about, you know, microblading my eyebrows. You know? <laughs> I saw you post about I, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've never, um, you know, obviously done that before. Right. Um, I'm getting more into skincare, which I've never mm-hmm. had a skin issue, but I'm realizing, you know, I'm over 40. And so mm-hmm. I'm realizing that, you know, I need to take, have a more specialized regimen for like skin and stuff like that. Right. And so I don't know. It's funny. Cause like over 40, I'm, I'm starting to get curious about things that I've never done before. Yeah. And so I'm just like taking chances and doing and that. I and love so I seeing think, that. Yeah. I think that's what life and living is about is trying things that you've never tried before going places you've never gone and just dreaming bigger. And if you're not following Tiffany, like definitely check out her Instagram page and you could drop all of that in a second after lightning round. But yeah, I just find that when you share your process, even just as simple as saying, you know, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about microblading my eyebrows or I'm thinking, you know, I'm losing weight. Here's before and after pictures like that transparency. I've heard you mention that word a few times in the interview, Mm -hmm. and I think it is just your word. I think that's who you are. I think you don't realize how many people you're inspiring or reminding to just be like these platforms, social media, they make you feel like you have to show up as a thing, as a, you know, like create this persona, but you just have to be, that's it. Because when you're being and you're sharing I don't even like saying authentic self because it's like, what other self should you be or could you be? But when you truly are just being, that's when you're helping people the most. So I thank you. And I want to publicly give you those flowers for being because I think I, I, it has really served me. And I hope it serves everyone else who, you know, hasn't been following you before this episode. We're going to do a quick lightning round and then we'll give you guys all that info. All right. You ready? Just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. So number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Just getting into a business program, like, you know, like a a build brand launch, like on Facebook. Uh, It's a great uh resource because there's a lot of founders in there, a lot of emerging founders who can help you. You know, when you're just when you're just starting out and they can give you that place to start. All right. Number two, who is a non-celebrity black woman entrepreneur that you admire and why? Ooh, Sharice Jones of Sassy Jones. I absolutely love her. I absolutely love what she stands for, how she started her business. She mm-hmm. is just amazing. And I love watching her journey in entrepreneurship. Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day? eating. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people take that for granted, but like I have to, it's non-negotiable. I have to stop and eat lunch. Number four, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? Being able to have the ability to talk to anybody, no matter what their background is and like, you know, what business they may be in. Um, Because I've learned that being open to talking to people will lead to other Um, relationships. It just really has helped my network, Mm -hmm. helped me grow my network. Love that. And then finally, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are afraid of losing that steady paycheck? Um, My advice is to, and I give this a lot, is start with a problem. If you can identify a problem and that you can create a solution for, then you're probably likely going to not only love it because you're, you know, you're in this process of finding a solution, but you also have a meaning for Mm -hmm. other consumers. And so, yeah, start with, with a problem. It could be anything. There's lots of problems that we go through um, just in everyday life. And if you can find a solution for it, you're well on your way. I like that. And so Tiffany, where can people connect with you and Latched and Hooked? after this episode. Yeah. I mean, follow me on social media, Tiffany Gatlin. I spell Tiffany T-I-F-F-I-N-I. Gatlin, G-A-T-L-I-N. That's my Instagram. That's where you can find me most active and sociable and latched and hooked. Um, L-A-T 
C-H-E-D, the letter N, and then Hooked, H-O-O-K-E-D. Follow us there for all of your protective style trends and inspiration. Of course. I will link to all of that, you guys. Tiffany, thank you so much for being in the guest chair. It's been an honor to have you here. And you guys go out and listen. Bye. Watch us on YouTube because remember, this is on YouTube as well. And I will talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.